Welcome to another episode of Sum It Up Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans. And in today's episode, we are so honored and so excited to be talking to the one and the only Twyla Jane. Twyla is a global Redken artist, a salon owner, stylist behind the chair, social media influencer, and just an overall badass in the industry. Twyla is the owner of Lumos Knox Salon in Naperville, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Twyla's pronouns are she, her, and they, them. And I'm just so honored and excited because Twyla's also one of my very, very best friends. Twyla, so welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So Twyla, you opened up a salon right before the pandemic began. So tell us about your salon and um, what made you open it up. January 15th of 2020 is when we opened our, as I like to refer to it, our big salon. Um, We previously were in a studio. So our salon is a nine chair salon. I have, I believe, 12 stylists at the moment. Um, We have four associates in training, which is super exciting. Um, We're a commission-based salon. And it's called Lumos Knox Salon. It's a Harry Potter reference. So we have like a little... A little Harry Potter vibe, little witchy vibe in there. What made you pick that name? So it's funny, actually, my studio was named Lumos Knox Studio. Um, and I thought about changing the name when we opened the salon. But I was like, wait, this is sort of like built in advertising. Like, that's totally the type of clientele that we want are the people that will like get that reference. Because um, mm-hmm. we definitely want like, the the weirdos to come to us is how I'll put it. So um we kind of look at it like Lumos and Knox, it's a spell that turns the light at the tip of the wand on or off. So we look at it like the idea of light and dark balance um, or like, you know, we, we're there working when we turn the lights on and we're there working until we turn the darn things off. I just love that you are also just going for like a, a Harry Potter theme, which is like perfect for uh, the millennial audience, which is who we're, we're going after. Yeah. So you said that you started off in a studio. So like, what, what was that like? Like you said, you're running like a full salon out of a studio. Like, what was that? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I like had this studio and when I went into it, I was like, all right, well, I need support. Like I can't do this whole clientele with just one set of hands. And I always wanted an associate. So I started bringing in people to help me. And over the course of time, people would reach out to me like, I don't know if you ever have assistance or like if you would be willing, I'd love to come learn from you. I guess I was in the studio for like three and a half years. Um, over those three and a half years, I acquired like eight employees in this 10 by 15 square foot studio. So it was 150 square feet, um, very tiny. We had three chairs crammed into this. Um, so I had two people that were like on the floor taking guests besides myself. And then I had three people in training. Um, we had like another person kind of starting to join the team as we were transitioning into opening this line. Um, I had a social media person who's still with us that would come in and take photos for us. So it was like our Christmas before we closed that studio to opening the salon. There was like six of us working and there was six clients in the room. And it was so chaotic to have 12 people in that space. But thank God we moved into a bigger space for 2020 because we would have been, we'd have, we'd have had a problem. So you at Lumos Knox now, as it stands, you're doing a lot of really cool things to create a safe space for clients. So what are some of those things that you're doing? 
Yeah, so we really promote to all, we we say we do hair for humans. Um, and like, you know, if people call on the phone and say, do you do men's haircuts, do this? We're like, yeah, we do hair, all humans here. We're connecting with a lot of people in the LGBTQIA plus community um, to really like reach out to those type of people because I what I noticed was that that was something very lacking in our area um, and something that I saw a lot of like in urban areas. So I was like, yeah, I really love that like downtown Chicago, they've got like really cool safe spaces for the queer community and there doesn't Nothing stands out in that way in our area. Um, and so that's important to me um, as a lot of the team members that I had and a lot of my close friends as it was are part of that community. And so, you know, to be able to really put out a safe space for that has been so important. And it really has attracted such a beautiful type of clientele, just having this like inclusivity that like people can feel safe coming into a space like we have a demographic that comes to us of like trans clients that, you know, I know how uncomfortable that can feel because I've heard from people that how comfortable that can feel to be in a salon space and not feel validated or affirmed in those types of things. And just to be able to like talk about your relationships and not feel judged and all of that type of thing is super, super important to us. That's like one of our main focuses that we push out. What are some of the things that you're actively doing to make sure that that happens? We ask for pronouns um, when guests call to book with us. We also like have all of the stylist pronouns listed. We make sure that we try to gender all people appropriately, um, which has been a learning curve for some people on my team. And like, it's been really fun to like get to coach people and have those conversations with people. And even with the clientele that we do have going through those experiences with them as well. And, you know, like somebody you've been doing for 10 years and being like, you know what? I've never asked, <laughs> what do you want me to call you? And opening up those types of conversations have, has been good. So how would you like hypothetically, like how would you handle someone that kind of digs their feet into the ground? And it's like, I don't get it. I'm a nice person, but like, I just don't understand this this whole like pronoun thing. I have team members that I've had to have that conversation with. They're like, well, I just don't get it. And, you know, so sometimes you have to kind of take those out of context of like, you know, explaining it to them in a different way. Like one of my favorites is being like, you know, having a conversation with them about someone that they do not know mm-hmm. and being like, okay, well, like, let's imagine we go to the grocery store and there's this person and they're shopping and they cut in front of you and, you know, this and this and that. And then, engaging in these conversations and getting them to use words like they back to you. And I'm like, well, isn't that interesting how easy that was for you? Mm-hmm. Not knowing what that person's gender was, but you know, you can do it. It's not something you don't know how to do. You just have to train yourself different. And so, you know, having those conversations, but also like giving people the grace to be like, you don't have to understand everything to be kind to other mm-hmm. people. And so like, you know, we have team members that go by different pronouns. So like, being able to care about them enough to use those pronouns towards them that they prefer. So if somebody was not willing to do those things, then we wouldn't have them on the team. So that's a conversation we start off like right away in the interviews too. And so when you're in the interview process too, you're asking like what their pronouns are, like, do Mm -hmm. you have it on your application as well? 
Um, people, we typically just like receive resumes, but um, if mm-hmm. I do put up an application, I would definitely have that on there. But mm-hmm. it is like when I interview them and reach out to them, it's one of the first questions I'll ask them. So mm-hmm. like they'll do shadow days where they'll come in and shadow and I will ask their pronouns before they come in, make sure that it's on the calendar with their pronouns so people know mm-hmm. how to refer to them and then make sure that I let them know, you know, if somebody has different pronouns than what they might perceive. And one thing to circle back to on like, you know, that story about, you know, you see the person in the grocery store. It's so true. Like the one that really hit home for me that made me understand is like, if someone left their keys in the salon and you're talking about it with another coworker, you'd be like, oh my gosh, someone left their keys. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't say, oh my gosh, this man or woman left their keys. <laughs> like that totally. just doesn't even naturally. So it, it goes to show that like, you know, they, them, theirs are not just, um, a group of people it can be singular right. as well yeah um and that's it's such a huge thing i think too to like add to that um one of the things that we did is like even so far as going back to the handbook and going through the handbook and making everything as gender neutral as possible through the handbook even with the dress code my previous salon like you were supposed to wear makeup and this and this and that and like our big thing is just look how you look and mm-hmm. stay consistent with how you look you know, as an owner in a company that's existed for a long time, it's one of those things that we've had to revisit over mm-hmm. and over again. Like, what does, you know, it used to say makeup, but then I I would be like, well, I maybe, maybe on a good day, we'll like do my brows, uh, maybe concealer if I'm having a breakout. But okay. that's it, you know, on most days, I'm like, I just relied on good skin, you know, <laughs> so like, <laughs> So it's it can be unfair based on how someone presents themselves. Well, and I think too, like one of the things that I've run into is when you have someone on the team that's more gender fluid, they're going to go from being more maybe feminine one day and being more not as feminine. And so that might be heavily made up and in a dress and the next day it might be dressed down a little bit. And like, mm. I want, you know, we we want to allow the space for people to be who they are. For our friends listening, there are literally salons out there in their handbook that say women must wear yes. heels. Like that still exists in 2021, which is yes, it does mind boggling. Um, but what language do you have in your your handbook that keeps everything like neutral? <laughs> um, so we talk about the colors that they should wear. I'm so lax about dress code, if I'm being super honest. So I will like point out the dress code to them and it'll say like, you know, black, white, and gray. You can also wear a pop of color. Or the other thing that we allow is you can wear something rainbow as long as it's full spectrum rainbows. And we ask that like those pieces are small pieces, not like, yeah, if you wore a full rainbow dress, I probably wouldn't be mad, but we ask that you don't do that. Um, (laughs) So just something that kind of differentiates you. But like the push on it is really more like, People expect a consistency when they come to see you at the salon and they expect a certain version of you. And so just like be true to what that version is Um, and like don't smell bad. okay? but I'm not going to have like we don't have personal grooming rules about shaving or painting your nails or anything like that. Um, And then like I tell them, as long as you can lean over or stand up on a ladder and I can't see anything I shouldn't see, you're fine. Like we don't mind midriffs. I want people to look fashionable um, and feel comfortable at work. But the biggest thing that we stress is just consistency. Well, and I I love that your rule is just like, don't smell bad. Um, yeah. You could bathe. We are in the beauty industry. 
<laughs> yeah, but like if you're if you have body hair, you, that's the way you look. So look that way, you know. Totally. Like, well, and it should just go without saying, obviously. You know, and like I think about um, stylists in LA, like I see so frequently, like there are all sorts of people wearing like tank tops and cutoffs and, you know, men, women, non-binary humans. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of the movement of what we're we're seeing right now. Like solid black isn't always right. the direction that some a lot of salons are. You know, I look at some stylists on the West Coast and I'm like, they're quite literally wearing cutoff shorts, cutoff shirt, yeah. um, and like flip-flops. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, cool. yes, it's a fashion industry. And my argument with it being a fashion industry is like fashion doesn't, Fashion comes from breaking the mold. Dress crazy. I don't care. Just Yeah, be, it's just definitely, it's you. totally subjective. But it's yeah. cool too because I think it's like a good signal to, to um, you can get the right kind of clientele, like people who oh, yeah. uh, vibe with you. Coming up after the break, getting quiet behind the chair. Your front desk team sets the tone for your guest experience in your salon. Ready, Set, Front Desk is a Summit online workshop to help front desk staff build confidence, upgrade their luxury language, and gain consistency as a team. Visit summitsalon.com and click on full calendar to learn more about this online workshop and many, many more. You are obviously creating a really amazing space for the LGBTQIAP plus community. And you're also doing little things with appointments to make sure that your guests are also oh, yeah. um, having a really great, uh, really great space. So tell me about some of those things, because I, I feel like it's people are finally talking about it now. But like, I had never heard anybody talk about it until you started doing it in like January of last year. Um, yeah, so we have two different things that you can request at your appointment. One is a silent appointment. And the other one is like a no media appointment. So if you're not comfortable being photographed or filmed when we have our photographer in then you can let us know that and we we set out a signal for him so that he knows like not to photograph you the silent appointment is one that i i thought was really important and became more important i think during the uh post stay at home order um getting to go back to work so the silent appointment is basically like if they book online, they can select it as an upgrade um, or if they come into the salon, they can request it at any time. And it basically just is, we'll talk to you enough to do your hair. So we have to have a consult with you. So you're going to have to do that much with us. And, you know, when we go to shampoo you or style you, we might ask if you have preferences. Um, we might tell you briefly about something that we're using in your hair, but we won't make small talk with you. So we'll, we'll leave you alone during the appointment. If you choose to speak to us, then we'll, you know, oblige the conversation. Um, but I think that even just putting that information out there, we actually rarely have people request this appointment, believe it or not, but we do get people that request it. We find that like customers seem to feel more comfortable just choosing when and when not to speak. Mm. So I've, you know, even noticed with my clients, like they'll come in and I'll say a little bit to them and I'll notice that they're being kind of quiet and I'll just kind of let it go. And then they'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm just really tired today. And I'm like, no, it's all good. Like, we don't have to talk. And they're like, I know I saw your post that we don't, we don't have to, you know, (laughs) I think it just takes a lot of pressure off of like introverts, especially. And I think that over this last year, I learned that a lot more people than my extrovert self realized don't really like to engage in a lot of small talk or, you know, they want to be quiet for different reasons. And, and so we choose to respect that. And with those, those silent appointments too, you're just creating such, I mean, just such a safe space for people with anxiety. Yeah. Because some people don't know how to answer or deal with small talk. 
I have a petition too for uh, people who like me. I like talking to to people, but I don't like small talk. So if we could get to the good stuff from the Same. jump, that would be great. So can I be a third option? Yeah, I like that. That's me too. Yeah, I hate small talk. <laughs> when people start asking small questions, I'm like, all right, let's talk about what are you doing with the rest of your life? What's your end yeah. game? I know. I'm like, what was your relationship like with your mother? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so tell us about like, you, obviously you're building up this amazing salon company that's growing. You have so many employees, um, training a whole bunch of people. What made you join this industry? Oh, what a fun question. Um, so I actually went to college. For, I thought about going to hair school and then um, my, you know, was influenced to go to college and get a quote unquote real degree anyways. And so um, I went to college and the whole time I was in college, I did my own hair and all of a sudden people were like, oh, well, you do your hair. So can you do my hair? So I was charging like $5 for haircuts and $10 for color. And I was coloring people's hair in the dorms um, and cutting people's hair in the dorms and then buying, you know, uh, breadsticks for dinner with it. But um, once I kind of got to the end of my career, I, I majored in business because um, I was like, well, business is a good, safe thing. I always enjoyed business in school. And as I got closer to the end of my college career, I was like, you know what? Like, I cannot sit at a desk. That sounds terrible. Like, mm -hmm. I cannot answer phones. And so I was like, let's circle back on this, like, doing hair thing. I really enjoy the time I get to spend with people and, and doing their hair, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. And I get to create. And I've always been um, an artist. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go to beauty school. <laughs> so um, I did. And Oh my God. I just like, I can't say enough that like, I really feel like I have the coolest job in the whole world. And like the second that I stepped foot in beauty school, I, I never have once like even second guessed that I chose the right thing. So like what, what's your history with salons? Like, obviously you just don't go into opening a suite right away. So like, what was your, uh, what did you do right out of school? And like, how did you get there? Yeah, so when I went to school, I was definitely like, okay, I've got to go to a salon where um, I can like make a living for myself. Because I looked up like the median income for a hairdresser and I was like, that's not going to be me. We had salons come in and like teach at our school and that kind of thing. And um, there was a salon that had come in and one educator in particular that had come in from that salon. And like these girls that came in, they had cars and they had townhomes and, you know, all of this. And I was like, that's where I'm going to work. And so I went to the salon and I worked under this artist that I wanted to work under. Like when I tell you that the cards in my life have really like I know that I'm in the right place because everything sort of seems to line up for me just the way that I like put it out there to do. And so um, I was at that salon for seven years. I was an associate there. Um, I went on the floor. I taught their training program for several years, became a Redken artist while I was there. And I just eventually got to the point where like I needed, I needed something different. I needed to be able to control my own schedule a little bit more, have the flexibility that I needed. And I wanted to take an associate at the time. And that was not something that they offered anymore. And so I was like, well, I want to train other people. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, and you hit that uh, at Summit, we always call it like you're, you're hitting that vocational part of your career where you want to help grow other people. It's not even about the money. It's just like you've got all this stuff that's kind of building up inside of you. And then you're totally. like, I've got to I've got to share it. I've got yeah, to share it with other people. I got to give it to someone. After the break, Twyla burns 
out. Stick with us. We're excited to announce Summit Salon Business Center is now offering free shipping on all products and educational resources. We've got t-shirts, face masks, planners, digital courses, and much more. Go to summitsalon.com slash store. When we left off, Twyla was talking about the time in her career when she left the salon where she was working to open a studio and train other people. I asked them about some of the changes that they made as an owner when it comes to flexibility. I think that part of opening a business is always having a little bit of a reactive business model to um, what you experienced previously. But um, Mm -hmm. I was working, I think at the time, four days behind the chair. And then I was doing the training program every Monday. So I was five days in the salon. And then I was traveling with Redkin. And that was something that was like really important to me to grow myself was to be able to go do that and fill my cup. And there had been times where like, you know, if we took off a day at work, we were expected to make it up somewhere else. Like Mm -hmm. every minute, every hour, we had to make it back up. And like, my thing was always like, I want to be at work. Like, I love doing my clients. Like, I, of course, want to be here making money, but I am one person and I need a day off. And um, I mean, there was times where between traveling for Redkin and teaching there at the salon and taking guests that I think that my longest span was about 35 days before I like broke and had to take a mental health day and like called in sick for the first time in like six years. You know, so now like, you know, when I'm working with my team, like we do the six hour shifts, um, 30 hours is full time. And um, they, they are allowed to work more than that if they want to. But if they need to take time off, I certainly don't expect them to add time back on. I think that, you know, work-life balance, like the way that I see it is if they're happy and making the money to pay their bills, Mm -hmm. and as long as I'm budgeting appropriately and hiring appropriately and scheduling appropriately, then it's all fine, you know? Well, and it it goes to show too, just like the one happy employees mean happy clients, meaning money, you know, at the end of the day. But most importantly, you have a happy team. So, and that's one of the most important things. And I I just, I keep digging back at it because I know that there are people who are listening, who are salon owners, who may have been in the game for a little bit Mm -hmm. and thinking, well, the old school got me to be as successful as where I am now, but now I'm losing people or I've had Mm -hmm. walkouts or I've, I've faced all these things. So I just really want to highlight some of the big things that you said, which is like, you loved being at work (laughs) and that should be celebrated and you should grow with that person, you know, or you became an educator for the largest hair color company in in North America. Like that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And to allow you to have the flexibility to be able to do both. And then to make sure that you also are treated like a human being too and that that you're not just a cog in the machine and i just really want to highlight that for anyone who's listening who might feel stuck between the old school and the new school um so (laughs) i know that's like my preacher thing i just like i'm so passionate about personally about flexibility so i love that you're offering that for your team what was what is some advice that you would give yourself now or from this point of view now to the younger self that had just started with um, education? Um, I think, you know, if I could talk to little Twyla about burnout and what happens in burnout, I think that that would be an important conversation. I think that when you're in a state of overwhelm and fight or flight like that, like you can't 
you can't be good to yourself and you can't really be good to other people either. And so I think that like, I was so hyper-focused on making sure that I didn't upset anyone by taking off time and doing this, but Mm. I was so difficult to be around. And I know that now looking back that like, I don't think that people wanted to be around me. I think that it was everything I could do to like give good face to my clients when really everything was on fire around me and I was miserable, but I loved my clients, you know, so... I I think just like the stress that that put on me at the time and I would teach, I would try to teach my young self how to identify burnout and how to set boundaries when I didn't have a company willing to allow me boundaries. Um, And that's something that's like really important to me with my team is like being able to be really honest about what you're going through. And if you are in a state of overwhelm and, and life is really hard, like, you know, making sure that I give grace to those people and that the team gives grace to those people as well. I think that would be my my biggest thing. Like your clients love you as much as you love them. So if they're mad that you need to take off time for yourself and you can't be behind the chair and you can't squeeze them in, then that's about them and it's not about you. Right. Because you should come first and your sanity. So what does work-life balance look like to you now, um, now that you are on the other side of things and you can recognize what burnout looks like? I've learned through going to therapy that um, my personal time that I spend with my friends is so valuable to help me reset. So really making time to see friends, spend time with friends, especially when I feel overwhelmed. Sometimes when I feel like everything's coming at me and it's going a million miles an hour and I'm stuck in this tornado and I'm like literally on the verge of burnout that I have to set aside time to like go grab coffee with someone because Mm -hmm. it will just kind of release a lot of that pressure and help me see straight again. So like I being able to find that thing that can help you find balance when there is none. And that's that's one of the things for me is like getting to spend time with someone that I love. I, I feel that too, because like quality time is a huge one for me. Like uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Twy, like you and I went to Six Flags mm-hmm. and went to haunted houses and rode roller coasters when I was traveling for work. And I was on the verge of burnout, like in full transparency. And I, I had content due to a brand. Um, I had interviews I had to schedule for a salon company. I had to get stuff set up for the podcast, this mountain of stuff to do. And I was like, if I do any more work, I'm going to Mm -hmm. um, cry. Yeah, those are the moments where you're like, I can't cancel these plans with a friend. I need this. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I'm like, screw it. We're going through a haunted house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, get like mediocrely scared. Uh, (laughs) As an owner and a leader, what's the line between professionalism and friendship with your salon team? Oh, that's such a funny question. We were just talking about that this morning. (laughs) That is definitely something that I, I have gone through in my head a lot. Like when I first went to open the salon, I was like, I can't be friends with any of my employees anymore. And then I was like, that's crazy because I love these people and they're my friends. I think that the biggest for me is like being able to find that balance of it is just like being able to communicate really properly. Having those boundaries of things like if we're outside of work, like not talking about work or something like that. But I definitely look at all my employees as friends as well. Because I want to, 
like to me as an owner, I think that that is what I always wanted was to feel like a connection to my bosses and Mm. feel like emotionally invested and in that. And so I don't know that I'm answering the question appropriately, but. No, I, I think that you totally are. I think that you have a really good example of being super friendly with your team members and also have true friendships with them. And even in your friendships, I, I don't even know how else to put it, but you're really good at just being direct and like talking about what needs to, to be talked about. And it never feels vindictive, even from the outside to your, as a friend of yours, you know, watching how you interact with your team, like it never feels vindictive or manipulative or any of those things. It's just like, no, this is business. This is what needs to happen. And then, okay, I'm glad that's over. Do you want to go get coffee? Totally. Yeah, (laughs) I think like, yeah, just the communication piece is important and being able to be clear about how you communicate. So like I'm super direct. So when I hire people, I let them know I'm super direct. If I if you ever think I'm being mean, like come to me because it's not ever my intention. But sometimes I just say things abrasively and not even abrasively, but it comes off that way to people that need things cushioned. And like, so I need to know that you need things cushioned because I obviously want to communicate with you appropriately because I want to enjoy our time with one another because like they always say you sometimes you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family. Yeah, that's 100% true. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. So the questions will be rapid, your answers do not have to be just to be clear, you don't have to speak quickly or or anything like that. Oh, I'm going to uh, talk um, so fast. Cool. What are some common misconceptions about you? Common misconceptions about me? I think people think I'm really mean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about TikTok specifically. Um, People, I'm sarcastic, so that comes across as being mean. I would say that's the most common misconception about me. I would say the second one is that I actually get really nervous to take new clients that found me on TikTok because I'm afraid that they think I'm a lot funnier than I am. So that would, I think... That I'm either mean or that I'm really funny and nothing in between. And I promise I'm right in between those two things. <laughs> um, and just for everyone, uh, Twyla is funny in person um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite concert you've ever been to and who, who was it? It would probably be Florence and the Machine at the Chicago House of Blues because it was right before she got really big and it was a really small, intimate setting and I was really close to her and she's phenomenal live. What is the last TV show you binged? Uh, Can it be one that I'm still binging? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Dynasty. I'm binging the new reboot of Dynasty. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, You're the reason why I started watching that show. Um, I was named after the original Dynasty Blake Harrington. (laughs) Which I hate for you, but that's fine. (laughs) It's fine. But my my mom's like, he was an old, handsome man, so I wanted you to be an old, handsome man. (laughs) Literally. Um, what's one of your favorite movies? Oh, the Labyrinth. I mean, I have so many, but The Labyrinth, because I'm obsessed with David Bowie and Ludo. I want Ludo as a pet. And what is your favorite book? Okay. I feel like I should say Harry Potter, but I'm going to say Divergent. I really okay. loved that series. It, I okay. sobbed. I'd never have cried so hard as I cried at the end of that series. That's awesome. 
Uh, it, I mean, it's not something you cried, but I like that a book like that impacted you. But obviously, you love young adult novels. I love young adult novels. I love series. What's a purchase that you've made in 2021, around $100 or less, that's had a big impact on you? Or has oh. been the most worth it? I got this really good camera stand to film my TikToks with. <laughs> and it has a clicker, which is right here. I've got this click so I can start the camera from far away. That's <laughs> That's awesome. It was about $25. Uh, $25 well spent to, mm-hmm. for your TikTok fame that has just taken off. Well, Twilight, I first of all want to recognize you for your impact that you're having on the industry, the joy that you bring um, through your humor and your content is incredible. And then you pair that with being incredibly talented hairstylist and leader. So uh, thank you for all that you're contributing to our industry. And to make sure that people can connect with you, where can people find you uh, on social? You can find me on every platform at at Twyla Jane, which is T-W-Y-L-L-A-J-A-N-E. And then if someone's interested in checking out the vibe of your salon company, where can they find that? They can find that on Instagram or TikTok at Lumos Knox Salon or at LumosKnoxSalon.com. Awesome. So Twyla, thank you so much for joining us. And for one last question, what is happiness to you? Oh, happiness to me is getting, honestly, just like making people laugh and getting to be with people while they're laughing and like laughing so hard that you can't breathe and you're crying. That's awesome. We have to break out your inhaler. (laughs) Yes. Where I start coughing. (laughs) 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 Laughing so hard I go into a coughing fit. Well, Twyla, thank you so much for joining us. It was an honor. And everyone, make sure that you connect with Twyla on social or book them for classes inside of your salon company. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time to sum up the big takeaways from my conversation with Twyla Jane. First of all, cut hair for humans. If you go to the Lumos Knox website, you'll see that there are no separate prices based on gender. It literally just says adult haircut, all humans 13 and older, and child haircut, all humans 13 and younger. It's such a simple way to help normalize gender diversity from the get-go, and it also keeps prices fair and predictable for both the client and the stylist. Second, Twyla has taken the care to promote inclusivity at their salon by really paying attention to detail. Things like implementing a gender-neutral dress code and even asking for the pronouns of job applicants coming into Shadow Stylist and putting it on the calendar. And third, flexibility makes for better bosses and better teams. It sounds obvious, but if you're burnt out, you can't be your best self for your employees, coworkers, or clients, for anyone really. Sum It Up is produced by Andrea Moraskin with editorial support from Tim Fisk. I'm Blake Reed Evans. If you gained something from this episode, please share it with someone and pass on the learning. We would be honored if you took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more people. If you're looking for more opportunities to grow and connect, visit us at summitsalon.com. Join our Facebook group, Summit Salon community or follow us on Instagram at Summit Salon. You and I can connect on Instagram at Blake Reed Evans. My DMs are always open. 
Thank you so much for listening. Check this feed every two weeks for more ways to promote happiness and live your best life in the beauty industry. Be well. Coming up on the next episode of Summit Up, stylist and salon owner Trisha DeFranco opened her own salon when she was just 24 years old. Now she's an industry advocate and was involved in the push to allow salons to reopen after the COVID shutdown. 